All right, this morning, before we get our Bibles, I want us to do something. I want you to look around this room, and I want you to take in the colors. Look at the glass. I mean, look at the wood. Look at the hues and the shades. Okay. Y'all done that? Okay, now, let's get our Bibles and go ahead and open up to John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And I would guess at least almost all of us, if not all of us, can see these colors, these shades, these hues. And I would guess that all of us, most of the time, most of the time, frankly, take that good design that the coordination of our eyes and nerves and brain perceive beautiful colors and we take it for granted. We open our eyes in the morning and... There they are. But there are many people in the world who have color blindness. And many of them have never seen, if you can imagine this, many of them have never seen a, a real purple or red or blue or green or yellow, much, le much less variations. I watched a video yesterday, um, probably a lot videos, probably more than I should have, um, but it was fascinating, of people being given a pair of glasses. Glasses that God in his providence have allowed people to make. And what these glasses do is that they filter out certain wavelengths of light that certain colorblind people's eyes, they can't interpret and receive correctly. And what happens is what we take for granted, you and I, when given to someone for the first time, it blows them away. They put the glasses on and some just stand very still for a moment as they take in a new reality. Others go open, gasping in with mouths open, gasping in wonder. Others just start talking about what they're seeing and they can't stop. And others don't say anything. But break down and weep. They've been given a new reality of seeing what's really there. So what if God came to you and said, You can't see all the colors that I have for you. You've been dead this whole time. And you need new life. You've been spiritually colorblind. And you need spiritual sight. Oh, well. The reality is, 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 is that's not an if. You see, that he has come. And he has spoken this. And that's what we're going to hear this morning. So if you have gotten there, would you please stand in honor of the word of God this morning as we read John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. As Jesus speaks of changing spiritual colorblindness to seeing a new reality. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. 
This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. You can have a seat. When it comes to being born again, that may be a term you've heard in church or thrown around in the world, I wonder if the understanding of that is like a colorblind person looking at the world without glasses. And I think there are times when we who have been born again, those who by faith have believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, I think we can sometimes take for granted that we have not been merely given a pair of glasses, but we've been regenerated into a new people. What does it really mean, that phrase then, born again? Does it mean anything for those who don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? And does it mean what it ought to mean for those of us, for us who profess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Well, before we look more closely at this text, we need to jump back up to chapter 2, verses 23 through 25 to get some background information. And it says this, Now when he, that's Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. We studied this last week. Jesus knows our need for renewal, and he can see right through people, including Nicodemus here. So what does Nicodemus need? Does Nicodemus have what it takes to secure his salvation? First, salvation requires nothing less than new birth. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This guy has quite a list of accolades. He's first a Pharisee, which at that time was the strictest sect in Judaism. They kept the rules, or so they thought, and added, the, added rules to keep the rules. The truth is, 
they might have been glad when Jesus cleared out the temple. They wanted purity of worship. These are like some, not all, but some Christians who claim to be very orthodox. Indeed, they can tell you the doctrine and they know the creeds and they have the answer ready for almost every question. They are like the cleansed temple in some ways. But like Jesus said, whitewashed tombs. For though they got the first half of the equation right, it is absolutely crucial that we believe sound doctrine. They had no life. The second part of the equation. They seemed more in the business of making people miserable in the name of their own holiness and self-assuredness. What they had was orthodoxy, but not orthopraxy, where what they believed, they lived out. And what they ended up having because of that was neither. Because true orthodoxy, right theology, should be part and parcel of a piece hand in hand with a life that has life. But they did not have any life because they did not have Jesus. Remember John's purpose of writing what we're studying in the Gospel of John. Chapter 20, verse 31. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This man, a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. So he was not only orthodox, he was a man of immense influence in Israel. He was a man people looked up to. He was the do-good, well-to-do, straight-laced man who thought he was ready to meet God at the end and show him how much good he had done. How much work he had done in keeping his life clean. The saying goes, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go with the girls that do. <laughs> but the arrival of Jesus has shaken up that apple cart a bit. He's not a Pharisee. He's not a member of the ruling class. He hasn't been formally, formally educated in rabbinic training, but he's teaching things that are spot on. And he's doing things that aren't supposed to happen unless God is involved. So Nicodemus comes to him at night for a conversation. And whether that was because Nicodemus wanted to preserve his public image or have uninterrupted time with Jesus, we don't know. But what we do know is that like the night time in which he comes to Jesus, he has a spiritual darkness that he can't get himself out of and also doesn't seem to be aware of. And we know this because of how he addresses Jesus. Look at this verse, verse 2. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. It's not on the face disrespectful. Nicodemus acknowledges there's something special about Jesus. But when God incarnate shows up, and you address him as an equal, as just a teacher, even if sent from God, it is disrespectful. It points to a sin problem that he has and that you and I have. We are spiritually darkened and cannot recognize God on our own. We are, as Ephesians 4 verse 18 says, 
They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. He is unable and thus unwilling to give Jesus the honor that is due God. So how does Jesus respond? Jesus answered him, verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Directed toward Nicodemus, Jesus is basically saying that all his pedigree, all his good deeds, all his image, all his status, they can't even get him to the point of seeing the kingdom of God. What can? You've got to be born again, Jesus says. You've got to be born from above, which is another way of translating this. Salvation requires nothing less than new birth. And all of Nicodemus' life was less. He cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, John, of all the gospel writers, does not talk very much about the kingdom of God. But Nicodemus knows at least a little bit of what he's talking about. And so let's explain a little bit here. The kingdom of God was and is the rule of God, the reign of God over the realm of God. No, I didn't make that up. It comes, I was taught that. The rule of God, the reign of God over the realm of God. In other words, God is king, and he is sovereign over his creation, that creation being all that is not God, everything that is created, heaven, earth, hell, land, sea, sky, plants, animals, demons, angels, people. And Nicodemus, a man made in the image of God, is face to face with that king, and he doesn't recognize him. He can't even see the kingdom of God when he's having a conversation with the king. And so Jesus tells him and tells everyone by extension, truly, truly, that is pay attention. This is reality and this is really important. Truly, truly, I say to you, I, the kingdom, king of the kingdom, the Christ, the son of God, say to you, unless one is born again, he or she cannot see the kingdom of God. This is part of what theologians call total inability. That is, we can't make ourselves see color unless glasses are given to us because we are enslaved to sin. There is not a single part of our lives apart from Jesus that sin has not corrupted and stained. Isaiah 64, verse 6, proclaims very clearly, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We can't save ourselves. So Jesus lays forth the requirement. What a merciful God. You must be born from above. You must be born again. Well, how does Nicodemus respond to this? And how do many people respond to this? Nicodemus said to him, verse 4, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Come on, Jesus. 
What does Nicodemus do? He scoffs. Why? Number two, new birth is supernatural. Now, let's get something clear. Nicodemus wasn't totally opposed to supernatural. Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead. They believed in the existence of angels and demons. But being born again in order to be saved? Come on, Jesus. How can an old guy like me be born again? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? What Nicodemus is also saying is that Jesus' answer doesn't fit with how Nicodemus believes people can be saved. He clearly didn't think anything radically had to change for him to be acceptable to God. When the Messiah shows up, I'll be ready to believe him, he might have thought. You must be born again was not what he was expecting to hear. So he's not buying it. So Jesus tells him again because we can get in the way of hearing truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. <laughs> Jesus is talking about something way, way more significant than physical birth, which is, an, which is absolutely a miracle that God has designed the human body, both of the mother and the baby, to give birth. I've been in the, in the delivery room. It is, it's physically not supposed to happen. I mean, it is supposed to happen, but it looks like it's not physically supposed to happen. But it does. And here, in John, it's supernatural. This is something human beings can't contribute to. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Unless one is born of, the, of water and the Spirit... And have you noticed that we've had water and its effects come up a few times already in the book of John? John the Baptist came baptizing with water so that Jesus could be revealed. Jesus manifested his glory by turning water into wine. Jesus cleansed the temple by driving out impurity with do not make my father's house a house of trade. Water in this gospel has thus far been to point to Jesus. And do you know who best points to Jesus? God himself, the Holy Spirit. Jesus says later in John chapter 15, verse 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send you to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And Titus 3, verses 4 through 7, beautifully says this is what's going on. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing 
of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This supernatural birth is spiritual birth. It is full transformation. It is regeneration. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And then Jesus says this amazing statement. He says, do not marvel (laughs) that I said to you, you must be born again. Why? Because the new birth by the Holy Spirit is like the wind. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. What? When we are born again, God does that which is supernatural. Do you remember how you were saved? The new birth part of it might be hard to explain, but you and those around you know that something has happened. You can't see the wind, but you know when it's there. Someone who hated the things of God now loves the things of God. They want to read his word. They want to pray. They want to bless others. They want others to know this God who has saved them in Christ and who has made them alive in him. Ephesians 2 says it this way, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. He makes the spiritually dead alive. And when we're alive, we can see the kingdom of God. We can enter it. We believe. Number three, those born again believe. Verse 9, Jesus respond, Nicodemus responds to all of this amazing thing, these amazing things. He said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Notice that Nicodemus is no longer scoffing. He's trying to wrestle with this category that's new to him. How can these things be? He says. Where are the categories for this? And Jesus answers him almost sarcastically. So you're a teacher. 
Like me, huh? How did you miss this then? Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? You are to be teaching the people of salvation, Nicodemus, and yet you miss that people needed to be born again, not just complete multiple hundreds of Mosaic law to-dos and claim blood lineage to Abraham. Jesus used an expression in other gospel accounts that ties in right ties right in here. He said to the Pharisees multiple times, have you not read? Now, (laughs) I'm not, and I'm guessing you're probably not, we're not all Jewish rabbi material. And that's okay, right? But don't think this doesn't apply. Jesus told his early disciples, and by extension us, If we believe in him, if we trust him, we're his disciples too. And what what are his disciples to do? It gives a pretty clear command. Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Do we know our Bible's church? Do we know the word of God that he has given us, that we can read from and hear from every service, that we can have in our hands, that we can even listen to in our earbuds? Where do we know that someone must be born again in order to see and enter the kingdom of God? It's here. This book which points to Jesus. Where do we know that in order to have eternal life, we must believe in Jesus? This book, which points to Jesus. Where do we know that there is eternal life? This book that points to Jesus, who has life in himself, and that light was the light of men. And the same was true for Nicodemus. His Old Testament was the same as we have. And in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 27, God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, all your uncleanness is, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Nicodemus, it missed it. He had missed the testimony of the prophets, of Moses, of John the Baptist, and was missing the testimony of Jesus himself. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus has just told Nicodemus that one must be born again before they can see the heavenly kingdom of God. 
And Nicodemus doesn't believe it. But the main issue isn't that he's having trouble with the facts presented to him. His problem is that he is disbelieving the one who is telling them and telling that they are true. Truly, truly. Jesus says that three times in this passage, and Nicodemus is denying the testimony. And Jesus even goes so far as to say, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Earthly testimony is being given from the God-man that supernatural new birth is required for entrance into the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus doesn't receive it, and many people in this world don't receive it because they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of Man. There is something we have to hammer into our minds and our hearts today. Jesus says, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. Our testimony. There is something that is not in Jesus' testimony here in John 3. Do you know what it is? Jesus says that in order to see and enter the kingdom of God, that is, enter eternal life with the king of kings, living under his good and sovereign rule and reign, and in his realm, a person has to be born again. But he never commands someone, be born again! He never says that. He says, repent and believe. But he never says, be born again. Why? Because babies don't give birth to themselves. We can't birth ourselves anew spiritually. We can't make ourselves new. But what does he say as his true testimony continues? And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Those who are born again believe. Remember back in John chapter 1, verses 11 through 13, it says, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. How do we know that we're born again? If we receive him and his testimony and believe in his name, Scripture says we are given the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God. Of God. How do we receive him then? How do we believe in his name? Not in a way that disbelieves once the signs disappear and not in a way that can't believe that salvation requires nothing less than a supernatural new birth. How do we receive him? We believe the gospel, which is found in this passage, right here in this strange story in verse 15, or verse 14, excuse me. And Jesus says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, 
so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. You know where this imagery comes from? It comes from the fourth book of the Bible, this awesome, awesome book called Numbers. <laughs> Catchy title, right? But no, read it. It is so good. It is so great. Okay, turn to Numbers chapter 21, if you would, keeping your finger in John. We have this recorded starting in verse 4 of Numbers chapter 21. Almost there. Almost there. Okay, there we go. Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. From Mount Hor, they, that is the Israelites, set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people of God spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. That's heavenly manna, by the way. Verse 6. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that the people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take the serpents from us, take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Weird story. But here's its point. Several thousand years later, Jesus says that that story is about him. People in rebellion against God and under condemnation. And we can't save ourselves from the just, just punishment of our sin. Which is hell. Eternal conscious punishment. Eternal death. But there is a mediator one who can act on our behalf in the presence of God. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, he who bore our sins in his body on the tree. The snake was raised into the air, and the people were commanded by God that if they believe, if they just look to the bronze serpent, they will be spared judgment. And whoever, anyone, looks to Jesus Christ, the Christ, the Son of God, who was nailed to and raised up on a wooden cross, who died, who was buried, and who rose again, whoever looks to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of, of, the throne of God, that person may have 
eternal life. So have you received the glasses that allow you to see? Have you received Jesus? Have you been born again? For the colorblind person, even if they didn't know how the glasses worked, like the wind, they could see its effect once they put him on. And the world blazes with color, with things as they are when we are born again. For when we are born again, we are born from above. And when we believe in Jesus, the Son of Man, the Christ, the Son of God, by believing, whoever believes in him may have life. We may have life, real life. In his name, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you are the one who has come to save. Your word tells us not that we loved you, but that you first loved us. And so, Lord, we come and we ask, Lord, for spiritual sight Please, for those hearing this for the first time, may they be born again. And for us who already do believe, Lord, may we be refreshed in our seeing and be refreshed in giving thanks and gratitude to you who has given us new birth to see and enter the kingdom of God. Lord, we also confess that this goes against the grain of our natures. We want to work really, really hard for something this valuable. But you say, whoever believes in the Son of Man who was lifted up, that person has eternal life. And all they had to do was look. Lord, please, please refresh us in that today. Please refresh us. Please refresh us in that every day of our lives. Help us to walk as people who are born again, who have hope, who live in reality as it really is, full of vibrant color. Please help us, Lord. And thank you that you have sent your Son that it is possible and given freely. Thank you, Lord, when we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.